The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash billrisser. To do content, which could, could, could be writing, could be video, could be a podcast, it could be photography, you know, however, whatever the medium is that, that makes sense for an agent to get their story across, you know, it takes, it takes time and it takes effort. And certainly it's, you know, there are rich rewards to having an, you know, cultivating an audience and being able to be their trusted source. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to episode 93 of the Real Estate Sessions, and thank you so much for listening. And, and most of all, thank you for telling a friend. Thank you for leaving reviews. I mean, this is how we're, we continue to grow the podcast. It's very exciting and really it doesn't happen without uh, without people listening to it. So thanks again. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of chatting with one of the first real estate bloggers I ever added to my Google Reader account. So that should tell you how long ago this was. This is probably pushing it close to a decade. Right? <laughs> and that's who I'm talking about. A lot of you already know, I'm sure. It's Heather Elias of Century 21 Redwood Realty. And let me tell you, um, she is one of the pioneers of hyperlocal community-focused blogging way before we even called it that. It was just blogging back in the day. And so it's going to be really exciting to talk to her and, and, and kind of follow that timeline and get to today and talk about where what she sees happening and where she sees it's going. It's so exciting. Heather, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> That's quite an introduction. Thank you so much. I am totally excited uh, to be here and congratulations on approaching approaching the 100th episode of the podcast you have uh you've come a very long way with this i'm i'm so excited to be here well thank you i i appreciate that it's i'm still trying to figure out what what happens on episode 100 so if you have any ideas you can <laughs> try to come up with something kind of new. But I'm, I'm not kidding about local musings and we're going to talk a lot about that and that part of your life but you know i, I got to know mm-hmm. so much about the area that surrounds dc from your blog back in the day and this is in the this is pre-2010. This is 2007, 8, something like that. It was just yep. so much fun. So yep. I, I'm, I know you've been in Loudoun County a long time. Did you grow up there mm-hmm. or in that area? Where Where are you from originally? I'm actually not from here, uh, not from Loudoun. We have been here since um, 1999 uh, when our, our twins were two years old at that point. But I grew up in on the eastern shore of Maryland. In D.C. area ever since I went to the University of Maryland, but but I grew up in a little town called Salisbury, which is, if you're not familiar with uh, Maryland geography, is about a half an hour from Ocean City, Maryland, so not too far from the coast. So I have a great appreciation for life on the water and, and seafood and actually, you know, small town living. Where you live now, if you want to have some time on the coast, mm-hmm. how far is that? <laughs> it's to go back to where we're from, basically. It's it's about a, a three, three and a half hour drive, depending on the traffic, to get back back down on the shore. So, you know, close enough, close enough to visit, um, and and far enough away that it's 
not totally in our backyard, and I definitely miss the ocean and miss the water. That is the one thing. Loudoun County is gorgeous, um, you know, rolling farmlands to the west, but there is not a whole lot of uh, water <laughs> to be found here. It's just the Potomac River running through. So, Cindy and I, my wife, we both grew up in San Diego and, and spent 17 years in Phoenix. So this relocation to St. Petersburg, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so good to just yeah. see the water, right? I don't have to go in it anymore. Yeah. I just want to see it. Yep, absolutely. So, Absolutely. Feeds your soul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You grow up you grew up in Maryland. You mentioned going to University of Maryland, but before we get there, what tell me what did mm-hmm. the junior high school Heather want to be when she grew up? Was realtor it? <laughs> it wasn't realtor. Um, definitely wasn't realtor. That came that came much later in life. Um, when I was in, in junior high and, and going into high school, I you know, I wanted to be at one point in time I thought maybe I wanted to be a lawyer, but that didn't for very long, but I wanted to be a writer. You know, that was my my passion. And in, in middle school, junior high, going into high school, that was, you know, a huge focus for me. I actually was co-editor of our high school newspaper, you know, wrote for the Lit Mag and wrote poetry and um, wrote a lot of things, contributed to the to the local newspaper, that type of thing. It was really, you know, makes total sense when you look at um blogging coming into my life as part of real estate, it, it just fit the narrative for me, but that's all I ever wanted to do. But maybe someday write a book. Uh, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> One day I'll, I'll definitely be on the list to get it. That's great. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. talk about, let's talk about university of Maryland for a minute. I, first of all, I'm a big sports fan and the Maryland state flag is kind of crazy. Is that a given? Mm-hmm. Do you agree with me on that? Oh, absolutely. It's very distinctive. <laughs> right. And distinctive. That's a better word than crazy. But I am telling you, mm-hmm. I struggle watching the Terps when they play football in the crazy uniforms that they'll roll out in. Are you – tell me, give me your take on that. Are you pro that or do you kind of go, oh, I wish they'd calm that down? <laughs> well, I mean, for starters, if you're, if you're going to talk about Maryland football and say that you're frustrated by the uniforms <laughs> instead of by their play, that's, that's interesting. But true, 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 <laughs> yeah. for sports in Maryland, you know, like basketball is usually where it's at. But, yeah, for the uniforms, I mean – I think being a Marylander from birth, like I have an appreciation for that flag. So it's kind of cool to see it used in that way. I mean, if, it, if your flag's going to be that distinctive, you might as well embrace it, right? Yeah. Um, Under Armour is a great supporter for Maryland and some of the crazy designs that they've done um, in their support. The founder of Under Armour graduated from Maryland. So I think, you know, he's probably helped be the impetus for some of these, some of these crazy designs. So I just think, I think it's fantastic. You know exactly who they are when you see those uniforms on the field. Yeah, you absolutely do. I know for me, my the alumni I love the most coming out of Maryland is Scott Van Pelt because he is a yeah. raving fan for the Terps, and, and it's just so yes. much fun to listen to. Yeah, you knew that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. thousand percent. Yeah, he's yeah. he's such a great ambassador for the school. Yeah. yeah. Growing up in that area, then you, I, I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, are you a Baltimore fan or a Washington fan in sports? Is it Ravens, Redskins? I mean, the Nats weren't there when you were growing up, but was it? Orioles? How's that work? Well, I, I grew up a huge Orioles fan. Um, Cal Ripken uh, Jr. is my hero. I, I can't even tell you how many baseball games. Um, love the Orioles, but I'm not a Ravens fan. Uh, I'm actually a Cowboys fan. So I, I am neither one. It's a little difficult to be a Cowboys fan in Redskins country, but yeah. you know we managed to manage to get by. But that's that's more by by marriage. We didn't. Uh, my parents are not are not either really. They don't watch Ravens or Redskins. They watch Terps. Gotcha. So <laughs> Cowboys in the mix. That that does have to make it fun, I'm sure, because yeah, yes. 
that's a the, the, the NFC East is just a ton of fun. Oh yeah. Let's talk about your time at Maryland. You, what was your major there? Was it you talked about your love for writing? Is that what you were doing then? And mm-hmm. good. So let's talk about that. I'm, I majored in journalism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's interesting when I wanted to go to, to college. I I thought I wanted to do technical writing. Um, applied at a at a few different schools. Loved Cornell. Ended up staying in state. They were gonna create sort of a specialized major for me at, at Maryland in the College of Journalism there. But it turns out when I got there that the public relations program was uh, headed up by some really amazing professors. And and that's where I ended up with my focus. So I spent a lot of time in, you know, in the public relations and marketing side. And I also spent a lot of time in the news reporting side. So uh, my internship on campus with the public relations department, you know, I got tremendous experience on, you know, the higher academic promotion. I wrote for the alumni magazine. It was, it was a really wonderful experience um, at Maryland. It was, it was a great place to be to kind of hone that, hone my skill set. Lots of uh, adjunct professors that worked in DC in news reporting that came in and taught in the evenings. It was just a really fabulous experience, but, but absolutely no real estate anywhere anywhere on my radar at that point. So strictly, strictly journalism and writing. I found, I read something about you that you, you know, I'm a big golf fan. It's whether watching or playing, it's mm-hmm. a passion. I say passion. My wife says obsession, but I read somewhere uh-huh. that you were like an owner, a part owner of a golf course. And my first thought is, <laughs> wow, that's going to be the coolest thing ever. Then my second thought is, you know what, when you're working, it's your job. It's probably not as cool as it sounds. Am I, how do I, am I right there? <laughs> Yeah, you're you're right there. I didn't. We didn't actually own a golf course. My husband Michael, who's actually um, who is a realtor now with Redwood, he he stepped in and is running the real estate business that was mine. But he was a, a PGA professional for many many years, uh, 15, 16, 17 years. Um, so the the golf side comes from having worked with him. So what brought us to Loudoun County originally was he took the head position at a club in Leesburg. And then uh, somewhere along the way, I ended up running the food and beverage concession and doing the merchandising and marketing and, and that type of thing with him there. So the, the running joke was that I had PGA wife with my license plate on the minivan. Nice. This is when our kids were younger. And, and the joke was, you know, that everyone would think that a PGA wife sits at home and eats bonbons and paints her toenails when in reality, I was, you know, parking carts when I was eight months pregnant because the cart boy didn't show up or picking the driving range because it was super busy in the middle of the day in July. Or <laughs> so yeah, it was totally glamorous. Very, very glamorous. <laughs> I, I loved, I loved, I loved hearing you say picking the range. I know you're not kidding about yeah. doing that when you say it. <laughs> the right way. I think, I think yeah. people, yeah. people don't, you know, those club professionals, right. They, their jobs yeah. are so tough and so time consuming and, Especially if it's yeah. a private club. I mean, I'm sure you've been through all those. Yeah. They don't really get the recognition and the appreciation they deserve. The glamour goes to the the guys on tour, but boy, you know, yes. it's, it's the yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. I love that. Well, it's. I mean, there's some parallels to to real estate there too, because as a as a golf pro, you know, he was Michael had to pass you know playing ability tests and and be and he taught and things like that. But he was an independent contractor as the PGA pro at the local club, so. You know, his his income was, you know, based on his hustle, right? Very similar to to what, uh, you know, what our agents are doing every day uh, to build their businesses and grow. I mean, that's that's really what 
the your local PGA pro does as well. So it's good to be good to be supportive of the local pro. It's we're we're probably going on six or seven years now of, of golf not being part of our life, but it was uh, it was definitely definitely a huge part. Now we actually have a membership at a club, which is very strange, and my middle daughter is going to play golf in high school. So uh, oh, next year. Let's get. How do we transition from the golf world for you into real estate? How did that happen? Well, actually, the the golf course is what what led me to it. Strangely enough, uh, we we kind of had a family around all of the members at at our club in Leesburg, and one of the one of the members at the club was a realtor, and she was kind of like an extra mom to me. Uh, she had grandchildren same age as as my kids, and they were in a play group together, and she. One day she looked at me and she said, have you ever thought about getting into real estate? And I said that well, I never in my life thought about it. Don't know, really know a whole lot about it. Although I, I love having grown up in a historic district. I love older homes and architecture. I took some architecture in college. Um, and she kind of put her arm around me and kind of planted the seed and got me started and mentored me a little bit. And the original thought was that, well, I could do real estate and and do a few transactions a year and help our you know, our members at the club, our family, you know, that we knew, our golf family. And, and that would be, that would be pretty wonderful. But as soon as I got my, uh, got my real estate license and, and started working in the industry, I just completely fell in love with it. And, and within a year, I had given up every role I had at the golf course to focus on real estate full time. What, what year is this? This would be 2005. Yeah, yeah, this is like right at the beginning of, I mean, really the earliest times of the RE.net that kind of burst on the scene at that time. And 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 yeah. so how, how long did it take for you to to fire up locomusings.com, your blog, from the time you started as a realtor? So it was it really didn't take too long. I think Locomusing started in 2007. And, you know, looking back, I think there was, there was an article in Realtor Magazine in 2006 that was talking about Active Rain, um, which I had never heard of. But to be able to get on a site that was full of real estate professionals that had more experience than me, and I could ask them questions and learn about what they were doing. Um, so I started writing some blog posts there, and it was more industry, you know, peer-to-peer blogging. And I realized you know, okay, I can, I still know how to write. This is, you know, this is like flexing a muscle for me that I haven't used in a while. I realized that with four small children, the youngest of which was two and a half, I think at that point, that for me to market my business, I could write about what was happening in the local area and never have to leave my house. I could write when the kids were taking a nap or while they were playing in the backyard and and do things to help grow my business um, and be a mom at the same time. And that's sort of kind of how local musings got started. There was no local newspaper here that was talking about, you know, the things that the moms at the bus stop were interested in learning more about. And so I just kind of filled that niche. Yeah, a niche that today is you know, unbelievably important, you know, in the uh, the world of a realtor. Yeah. So it really it was yeah. so early on in the game where there, you know, I knew Jay Thompson around that same time you know, doing Phoenix yeah. real estate guy over here. And I'm sure you and Jay connected quickly. Who are some of the other people, the early bloggers, you know, that you're probably still connected with? Who are some of those people? It, you know, it's amazing. You know, Jim Duncan in, in Charlottesville was, you know, obviously right here and sort of in my own backyard, providing a great example of, of how to 
how to write to inform and, and create a readership. Um, Jay Inez in Miami with Miamiism, um, Ginger Wilcox, you know, she's writing Blog by the Bay at that point. You know, just the the community around who was using like really early on content marketing, um, it, blogging. It's it's it was a small community, and then there were folks, you know. Uh, Todd Carpenter was was writing about mortgage back at that point in time. So this, you know, this was a long, long time ago. Jeff Corbett was um, writing the ex broker blog, which was, you know, a transparent look on the, the mortgage industry and 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 real estate as an ancillary industry. I mean, it's, it's these names are all super familiar, but at the time, you know, we were just each on their, our own little islands. Um, Dan Green with the mortgage reports. You know, everybody was was kind of doing their own thing to find other people that were that were doing the same thing that we could learn from and, and connect. It was just an amazing thing to to have somebody that I could bounce ideas off of because there wasn't anybody in my in my real estate office that was doing business the way that I was. They didn't understand where my they, they, it seemed like I was pulling clients out of the ether to have um, online leads. Right. Right. No one I, knew what they were then. <laughs> absolutely, and I think it was. You know, there was always this early on, there was this, you know, huge disdain for online leads, which even mm-hmm. kind of continues today. But it, it always comes back to the fact that it's, it's well, what are you doing? What, what, how are you obtaining these things? And then what are you doing afterwards? How are you talking to these right. people? But yeah, but when you have this, right. I mean, I can't even imagine the library of information that still hangs out at Loco Musings that, that you wrote yep. eight, eight years ago that's still relevant today. Yep. Yeah, that's just insane. Yeah, yeah that's great. Well, it's, it, it continues. I mean, it's, you know, Michael write, manages the site and writes all, continues to write the content. So even though, you know, there's still questions to be answered for consumers in the market here, for people that are thinking about moving here. So it just, you know, continues to to grow and, and thrive and be a living thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Local Musings, you're, you're one of the top bloggers in the country. You get noticed. Uh, you get speaking engagements mm-hmm. out of this. You start going to conferences and having you, you do a lot of Inman stuff, a lot of other stuff. But then NAR comes calling. And <laughs> let's talk about that because the National Association of Realtors had to realize that they had to do a better job at handling this mm-hmm. new thing that was coming about. And, and I, I don't know if you and Nobu came on about the same time, but the two of you kind of mm-hmm. – you know, let's talk about how that started and, and um, your favorite parts of that job. And while we're doing that, were there parts that weren't so much fun? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's funny kind of how that came about. It, it coincided around the time that um, that Michael was transitioning away from the golf business and coming into real estate. So he was learning and I was training him and, and you know, Todd Carpenter had been, who had been, you know, uh, the, the first social media manager for NAR was, you know, moving on to, to different things. And, you know, they were trying to figure out what NAR was trying to figure out how they wanted that role to continue. And they realized that there were sort of two pieces to it. And one of them was the outward facing engagement with the industry and um, speaking and, and being at conferences. And the other part was like the internal training and management of systems and putting some structure around the way that the organization was managing their their social and digital presence. And so Nobu and I came on simultaneously. Um, he was in, obviously in Chicago, he's still there. And then I came into the, the DC office and, you know, so Nobu focused on, um, you know, going out into the, the mix with our, our members and, and hearing what they were 
saying and bringing that back. And I had to uh, try to get my arms around 75 different social channels and the, the accompanying 40 to 45 staffers that were managing each of them. So the the bulk of oh, and managing the the main the main social channels for for the organization too. So it you know it was a it was a tremendous learning experience to spend the entirety of every workday uh, with my hands in social and. You know, as an agent, I thought I knew um, <laughs> how to do, uh, you know, digital strategy and using using these social channels to drive engagement and and traffic back to my site and things like that. Working in it uh, nonstop for for two years across um, enterprise level social channels was was a huge learning experience and a complete honor to um, to kind of uh, have that kind of voice within the industry. So it was. It was a great learning experience, and it was also wonderful to see, um, you know, coming from an agent background, the the depth of work that the association does on a day-to-day basis for our members. It continues to amaze me um, how hard how hard the association staff works. But so it was the it was great to to be at the helm for for these social channels and be able to interact with realtors all over the country. The tough part was that. Um, NAR's headquarters is in Chicago, and I live in uh, I live in the suburbs from from DC. So, aside from the hour and a half each way commute that I had into work every day, I spent uh, a ton of time in Chicago, and that was a ton of time away from my family. So, I love Chicago, love the staff there, um, but the it was it was tough. It was very tough to be away from home as much as I was. Yeah, and that that probably then drove the decision for you to kind of re-enter the brokerage world again, right? And and yeah. you, you when you came out of NAR, you went right in with with Eddie at uh, C twenty one Redwood, correct? Yes. So yes. which is where which is where I had my hung my license before. So oh, you know, okay. like coming coming back home to the yeah. Redwood family. Yeah. Talk about I mean, it, when when you go to an Inman event or you go to any conference around the, I mean, it's like you just like empty the whole front office from <laughs> Redwood. They're all there. You got, when you have Eddie, you got yeah. Billy doing amazing things. Tara Christensen, you um, talk about how much I can't even imagine what it's like to sit into a, a, a big, uh, maybe a strat plan meeting for that team mm-hmm. for the next year. Talk about that a little bit, or at least what you can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we are we are blessed here with a really fantastic um, team of professionals, and the great thing about you know uh, being in the mix with these guys is ever, it's, we're so forward thinking on. You know what? What can we do next to provide better um, support to our agents so that their job's easier, that they can provide a higher level of service to their clients? You know what? Sometimes that's that's tools and technologies that we're learning about and bringing back to them and implementing, and sometimes that's you know introducing them to different speakers within the industry, um, trainings. You know, having being able to have Tara come in with Peter Brewer and teach a session on um, social marketing or the use of video, you know, to bring them into our offices and the amount of energy that that, that, that brings in and creates for our agents. It's just, um, it's an amazing place to be. You know, I, I joke that, that working on the team here um, is like running a, a marathon at a sprint pace because <laughs> there's so many, so many goals and so many ideas and things that, that we want to do. Um, for our agents and for the the consumers in the area here. So, I you know I started 
when I came back, I was working a lot on uh, our expansion efforts and our growth and, and sort of our engagement with the, the other um, brokerages and the agents in the industry. And, and I did that for the first, you know, two and a half years coming back. And we've gone from, let's see, we were at three offices when I left in 2012. When I came back two years later after being at NAR, we were at eight and now we are at 12. So, um, and now uh, as of the beginning of this year, I, I am, I'm heading up all of our marketing. So it's a little bit more towards my, my uh, career history, you know, to be back on the, on the public relations and marketing and communication side, but it's, it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. These guys, there's always something, something cooking and something new going on here. Well, it's super fun to follow. What is, you know, specifically that one brokerage does. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. a blast. I, I know I'm always, Paying attention and trying to find what's going to happen <laughs> next before someone else yeah. does. Um, I want to get back yeah. to content really fast because I, for the people that listen mm-hmm. to the podcast, I, um, there are naysayers about content marketing. They're out there because mm-hmm. you know, everybody has a different idea. But I, I'm a big believer in it, especially just becoming this local trusted resource, which is what you you nailed way early in the game. Um, why why do you think that so many realtors struggle? You know, kind of adapting that. Is it is it lack of the technical skills? Is it, I don't know, what is it that doesn't allow more of them to embrace that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a combination of, of a lot of things. You know, the, the beauty of, of being a realtor is being in control of your own business. And the difficult thing about being a realtor is that you're in control of your own business, you know, and there's only so many hours in a day. And, you know, I watch, I watch our agents and everything that they do I you know obviously I, I lived it when I was in the in the field too you know you have you have to wear so many different hats in the course of the day and you know to do to do content which could could have could be writing could be video could be a podcast it could be photography you know however whatever the medium is that that makes sense for an agent to get their story across you know it takes it takes time and it takes effort and Certainly, it's you know there are rich rewards to having an you know cultivating an audience and being able to be their trusted source um, for real estate information or for local area information. But it, it but it does take time, and I think you know agents are uh, that there's so many things that you have to accomplish in the course of the day to maintain your current business and also generate new business. And it's just I think they get overwhelmed with. Uh, trying to to keep it up you know it's it's definitely it's not an impossible thing you have to kind of plan for it you have to use time management for sure um but i think i think i've seen i've seen agents sort of migrating towards curating content rather than creating which which still puts them in front of consumers as a as a resource but i don't think does as good a job of showcasing their own voice and their own um their own particular expertise within the industry yeah, and I think I think a lot of times, you know, the results aren't immediate, and some I think a lot of agents, Correct. yeah, struggle with that part of it. It's a long term play, and you just got to keep going. And and then when it does, yeah. when the snowball starts rolling, it's amazing, and they can hear that from all the people that have had success. But it's hard to to push through those tough days when I got to do this again, even though nothing's happened yet, right? Yeah, and I mean it's it goes hand in hand with you know with brand building you know with your you know building your own your own personal niche in your marketplace so that people recognize who you are and know what your your expertise is and it's 
you know, there are plenty of times that, that I wrote a blog post and hit publish on it and felt like I was just tossing it out into the ether because people don't necessarily comment on blogs. They comment wherever you've shared the link to the blog, but, you know, Facebook or, or Twitter or LinkedIn, but you know, it's the, even if there's no comment, the brand sinks in your, your expertise sinks in. And, and the one thing that I will say about blogging and everyone, anybody that's ever heard me speak about blogging has heard this before, but it is your voice. It is absolutely your voice and your writing. And if you want to get, if you want clients to find you that you're going to be a great fit with, that you're going to be able to take care of, you know, they're, they're folks that are going to respond to your voice, right? The way that you approach the industry, what your expertise is and kind of how you, how you see things that that's, that is the best possible way to do it. But it, I think for me, when I got started blogging, it probably took six months before the first client found his way to me from once I put the first blog post out there and I, you know, was writing regularly. I think it's probably easier now because of having different channels on social to, to get the word out about the blog post that you're writing or, you know, the video content that you're sharing, but it does, it takes dedication. It takes time. Then it's, it's worth it. But, uh, but you certainly have to have to put in the work. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to ask you a question about the future. <laughs> okay. Looking, looking forward, uh, looking kind of out there, say towards 2020, right? What should, mm-hmm. what should realtors and other in- industry professionals be paying attention to or thinking about? You know, I really, I really think along the lines of, you know, content, having your own voice and your expertise. I mean, the professional industry professionals need to think about showcasing their value, right? Why, why you, why someone should want to work with you? Like, what do you, what do you bring to the table? What, what are you good at? What are your strengths? How are you going to be able to help somebody? And, you know, that doesn't change no matter the technology, the way that you share it, you know, how you promote that message, you know, that's, that could look very different in 2020 than it looks right now, but you you need to figure out exactly what your, your value proposition is and be able to articulate that to, to your audience. You know, I, I think, you know, I I don't think that the the fundamental parts of the business are going to change too much. You know, we're the way that we, reach our audience in 2017, you know, is very different than the way that we reached our audience in 2000 or 2005 or 2010, you know, that, but we're still, we're still professionals trying to connect to our consumers in a meaningful way to provide good service to them. And that's, that part isn't going to change. You know, the, what I see as now that I'm on the, the brokerage side of things, you know, I, I'm looking out for, you know, technologies that can save my agents time and help them be better, uh, provide a higher level of service. You know, I think, you know, larger, larger industry issues, you know, I, I look at data sharing and, you know, management of data and finding ways to, to move things around through different vendors that'll make it easier um, for our agents. So they, you know, maybe they only have to put something in once and it'll go to 17 different places, you know, and make their life easier when they're promoting their listings. But, you know, but at the end of the day, I think just stay focused on the, on your core, on your core value proposition and the rest of the details will, you know, will work themselves out. Heather, I've had you here a little over the half hour I asked of you. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I've asked every guest on the show. One piece of advice you would give to someone just getting started in the business. 
I would say, I'm going to give them two sides to this piece of advice. The first thing is approach this like a business. Go to work every day. Check in. Know what you're supposed to know. What a day in the life of your of your business is supposed to look like, and make sure you do that every day. And secondly, find three examples of agents in the industry in your local market. Doesn't have to be your local market that you would want to emulate, and study what they're doing, um, and find the commonalities. And I would I would always recommend having a mentor um, that you can shadow and learn from but find the find the shining examples and and learn from them and don't stop learning don't ever stop learning in this industry doesn't that's that's advice to a new person or somebody that's been in the industry for 30 years don't don't sit still keep growing and learning and and feeding your brain and and also contributing back you know once once you get somewhere uh in this industry turn around and, and reach a hand down and help pull up the next person coming in behind you because we're all in this together. That's awesome. Heather, if, if somebody wants to reach out to you directly, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, they can email me at heather at locomusings.com. Still that email address still works just fine. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, I, I, I couldn't wait to have this talk as I, knowing you for so long, right? I mean, I don't have a Google yep. reader account anymore to pull up your post. <laughs> You remember those days, right? Yep. So it was really Absolutely. to get the whole thing out here. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with, with the, uh, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast.